0: What's going on guys and happy Monday today we're going to be talking about the OTA buffs and nerfs we have magic and probably some of the best buffs that we have seen in an OTA patch as well as how the nerfs affected the meta. With that we're going to be talking about the decks on the rise we have archetypes that went up a ton in value because of these nerfs and we'll be breaking down the best decks to be playing at the moment as well as Marvel Snap at Comic Con we have Ben Brode the legend himself alongside the art of Marvel Snap some sneak peeks and everything I learned behind the scenes we gonna be talking about that all today and more on this episode of the Snapchat. And as always, I'm joined by Mr. Alex Kocha. Hello, live from, uh, I'm not live from Comic-Con, but I'm, I'm coming from Comic-Con. Absolutely drained. It just ended for me. We had a huge week, man. OTAs. We got a crazy card coming out. How are we doing?
1: Doing great, Cozy, and I know you are as well. I'm sure you had absolutely an amazing time at Comic-Con. I saw pictures and highlights and stuff like that. Your Twitter feed was absolutely bonkers with uh, some crazy stuff. We're going to talk about that soon as well, but like... Honestly, what a week it's been for Marvel Snap. Cozy, it's a great time to be a Marvel Snap player. Heyo!
0: Oh, yeah, dude, uh, Comic-Con was wild. That's going to be such a fun subject, just to, like spitball. I'll talk to you guys about like some of the stuff I learned from the panel and just through conversations. And the whole thing was cool to see Snap in physical form, right? Like Snap in person, see fans and people, and the whole thing, the experience was, uh, was a 10 out of 10, man. Uh, so, you know, we've got the OTA to talk about. We've got the decks on the rise. And then, yes, SDCC What are we talking about over on your side of the channel?
1: On my episode, we're going to be talking about the card tier list. We're going to be taking a look at a uh, tier list that's out there. We're going to be doing our reactions and evaluation of it, where we would change things and what we agree with and disagree with. We're also going to be talking about the best of the token shop. Are there some cards that we think that you should be picking up using your tokens or what you should be waiting for in the spotlight caches themselves? Finally, we're going to be talking about the dev Q&A. There's been some fun questions that have been asked in the developer Q&A, and we're going to be taking a look at those and discussing them as well.
0: Well, dude, excited to talk about those things today. First of all, I think what we open up with before the subjects, we will talk about Legion. Let's talk about Spotlight Caches. It's been confirmed, buddy. The conversation we had last week has come to light, and my friend, the random S4, S5, if you get hit now, you're getting 1,000 tokens, which I think is... is is much more of a win than the baby Angela, the stuff that we've talked about. And it's, again, uh, not only a step in the right direction, but like an immediate step in a timely manner, dude. Super pumped that this happened.
1: Amazing. And you called it, you actually made this type of suggestion as well. Uh, I I think like we talked about like maybe half value, which might've been a little greedy in retrospect, but I mean, the thousand tokens is awesome. It's such a huge improvement and kudos to the development team for legitimately doing this. Like immediately, they didn't sit on their hands and like wait till like, you know, community like sediment completely deteriorated. Like they were on it and they basically said, Hey, next patch, we're fixing this. Like we have to wait for the patch because that's kind of how things work. But one thing that's really notable cozy is, is this kind of like, walks me back a little bit from the, my initial thought about the token shop was like i thought it was kind of going to get phased out when they brought the token value from like whatever five six thousand per month if you're opening your cash to what 800 as an estimate i thought like hmm, i wonder if they're phasing the tokens out well clearly they're not now because now the tokens are going to be reinstituted into the economy they're going to be a legitimate source of being able to unlock cards again
0: even the thousand now yeah there's a source for tokens now uh, outside of like just bundles and buying variants, which is uh, definitely definitely important because if you are going to be going and saving up for weeks, you now know that you, you, you're you either getting a thousand tokens or you're getting a random S4, S5 that, that's probably going to be a pretty good addition to your collection outside of a couple of the choices, right? So uh big time win. The timely manner was the number one thing that I was looking for and, and just 10 out of 10, super happy. Even though we had so much ugly and bad to talk about it, it was funny because what we did highlight is that there's just some tweaks to make it all really strong and pretty damn good, and it looks like they did that. So, uh, really good stuff there. How was your spotlight cash opening this week? Because my man, the only thing I got out of it was a good short. I went, oh, I went over four. I, I got echo in the last poll. This week has been kind of crazy. It's been
1: crazy because, like, I really, really just wanted echo and the Keg variant. That's what I wanted. Echo and the Keg variant. I actually think the Keg variant's amazing. I was like, this is awesome. I love it. It's basically an ultimate uh, variant in my eyes. And guess what I pulled? I pulled Echo. And then I was like, oh, do I gamble on this Kang variant? I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. Like, I, All it tells me is like, I really shouldn't be. I rolled the dice. And I landed, baby. I hate you. Look at the timeline with like Captain Marvel and
0: everyone in it. It is such a good variant. No joke, out of the next eight weeks, this was my least favorite week. I hated everything about this week. I didn't really like the variants. I didn't like the cards. The Iron Lad just feels like a weird kind of scorpion thing to me, and I wasn't, like, too crazy about it. All I'll say the animations are good. So I was like, just be good to me. Just give me Echo. And then I did say, like, I think in the short, I was like, if I get Kang, I'm not mad, right? I started out with, a, I think, the random S4-S5. I'm like, all right, well, the Band-Aid is already bad. Then I got Kang, then the Iron Lad, and then finally Echo, who who I think is... Is fine. It's it, it is a, is a decent card. We'll have the spot in the future. I think we kind of talked about that last week. This week is a banger. I feel like if you don't have any of the cards, it's a, it, it's a five-star week. If you're missing either Darkhawk or High Evo, both, uh, it's still pretty damn good pull. And then uh, Legion, you know, <laughs> let's get to Legion, right? So let's talk Legion here. Mr. Legion is a 5'8", ladies and gentlemen. On reveal, replace each other location with the one that you play Legion on top of. Now, I think he is a bit more interesting after the magic buff, but what what are your first impressions on the, on the crazy man over here?
1: I feel like I'm the only one that likes this card. And listen, I'll be wrong. I'll be happy to be wrong here, but I actually am excited for Legion. You are right to identify that it coming after the magic buff is huge because it can very easily erase magic. And um, that's awesome. They play Limbo down and you're like, hey, I, even on turn six, you can play Legion. You play Legion on turn six in conjunction with a one drop or whatever you want to do and get rid of Limbo. That's fantastic. Get rid of the storm. You can do whatever you want. Locations are so important in Marvel Snap. We sleep on how important they are in Marvel Snap. I am legitimately excited for this card, really. And I think it it like, I'm not going to say it counteracts Control a little bit, but it's a really interesting piece. I I don't know if it makes the cut in all decks, but I'm excited to experiment with it. I think it's better than people are giving it credit for.
0: So I think it's fun. I think it's a lot of fun i think conquest will be its best spot his best spot uh it's pretty iconic character it's a shame that this is his ability it's gonna be interesting as like limbo is leaned on more because magic is going to be everywhere we're about to talk that first of all i just wanted to talk because yeah i'm not i think legion is a fun consolation prize of a card i i really don't think he's going to be meta-defining in any sort of the matter no. but, but but definitely uh, the, the word fun comes to mind now I was thinking about the locations, right? So let's talk some locations, like some that come to mind, where if you play Legion on, it's just a good time. It's wild. Like, it's going to just be like... Because that's the thing, dude. This is why I like them in Conquest. Let's say you're losing a game like Heavy, and there's Mojo World, right? I was thinking even Mojo World. There's Mojo World, and all of a sudden, there's three Mojo Worlds, and really, everything goes out the window. The only thing that matters is who has more cars on the locations, right? Like... There's so much chaos so that was kind of the first one I thought of. Dude, there, okay, so these are the ones where I was like these are these are wild, right? Yeah, I was thinking control ones any of those. There's not a lot of those, right? That like that you can shut down uh cuz I think uh, playing him after storm doesn't work. That's been confirmed. It's not going to like shut everything down at once. Okay, so Elysium, all of a sudden, it's just it's awesome. just a free card game, like have fun. It's it's going to be just crazy. Dude, the one that does the three rocks when you play there? Like, everything is just punishable, right? Like, like the entire thing is just, like, you're going to be getting rocks galore. It's like the ultimate bluff game. I think that's wild. What about Project Pegasus?
1: (laughs) Just, like... That's actually hilarious. I never thought of that one. (laughs) I didn't think of that. Get, like, basically, like, 10 extra energy on that the next turn.
0: I want to break down all the locations and, like, see, okay, how many destroy-favored locations are there. How many patriot-favored, right? And see which archetype has the best location variants, and then you just plug him in there. And you're trying to, like, high roll for the favor, right? Like, that's... And you have up till turn 5, like, a Patriot deck just plays great anyway, right? And you, like, you kind of play up to that. I think that's kind of a cool way to play them. What about, like, Quantum Tunnel? Like, all of a sudden, everything's just a casino. Like, (laughs) you play something and just... You're not guaranteed anything. But some of the other ones I was thinking of. Titan, all of a sudden you could have 6-cost cards for 3-cost. Absolutely insane. Warrior Falls... It's just a bloodbath across all the three of the, of the, of the locations. Uh, obviously, like Bar with No Name, Death Domain, those are just like savagery of like what's happening here. And I also thought Space Throne was kind of cool. Because it, it, here's the thing. If you play him on Space Throne, people aren't playing on Space Throne until later, typically. Like They like to save up their cards. And then, all of a sudden, you, like, you know that maybe you leave one of the other locations open. You play him on Space Throne, and then their other cards just got locked in. And they can't play anything else. And so I think that's like kind of interesting to play him in. Obviously, Jeff, I think will work with him a lot there. I don't know. Here's the thing. He's going to be the worst card in every deck he's played, period. I I think so. I I don't think he's a good card, man. But I do think he's super fun. And the surprise factor of him alone is what's super unique about him.
1: It is. It's definitely going to be a surprising card. And the thing that's wild about it is like you can't really anticipate what locations you're going to get, right? Like we don't really have much location control. Of course, we have the limbos and we have the Scarlet Witches, which is the opposite of control. And then we have, you know, um, like Storm and etc. And to some degree, Snowguard. i okay. Does Snow Guard become more relevant with Legion? Like, are there like I'm just trying to think? Like, are there combinations at play with Snow Guard that become more relevant? I, I don't know. Like, honestly, I I just can't wait to get my hands on the card because I actually think it's pretty fun.
0: Magic and the huge OTA review. Now, I want to start off by saying, my God. I am here for it. I'm here for the risky uh, buffs. I'm here for the let's just pull the trigger and see what happens on some of these uh, these changes. And magic here kind of led the spear of these changes. Uh, bro, what are your thoughts on the OTA as a whole?
1: The OTA as a whole is fantastic. I mean, that is a complete shakeup of the game. That's bigger than patches. That's bigger than like we call it an over-the-air update. But that was like a massive change to the meta. I loved it. I loved it. I felt like we were spoiled. I couldn't believe they made that many changes. Like usually we get a couple, they, they nerfed the best deck in the game and bounce. They buffed up a whole bunch of cards that need to get buffed up. Some, some of our favorites that we like to talk about are still dodging them somehow. You know, Uatu, no love, Punisher, no love, but maybe that day will come. But regardless, like the change to magic, it it like completely redefines what the meta is. Like it's so impactful. Going from five to three, but maintaining its ability is huge. That's like an insane
0: buff. Yeah. So about three months ago, this, this is the card that kind of entered my radar. And it was like, I, I think it led the thumbnail of the card I wanted to get changed. It was a card that I missed from the beta days. And I think I suggested a forecast. I thought a four cost felt really good about the card. I think I mentioned three. I thought it was going to be a little bit too strong, which maybe that's where we're at now. Not even strong. I think relevant it, it is maybe the term. What's so great about magic, we're gonna start here, we'll get to the other cards. What's so cool about magic, man, is that it's it's a card that works in practically any archetype. It practically is going to benefit just about any archetype. And all of a sudden, I'll pull up the synergy graphic that I have. You just have like so many cards that are gonna be better because they have more turns to get a card, they have more turns to pull off their combo, you know, obviously destroy, build your deadpool, get your death down, get your null up, right? Little things like that bring Magic into the picture more. Cerebro, you know, you're trying to get not only Cerebro 2, which we'll talk about later, but also just trying to get, the, you know, your pull of Cerebro. Uh, that's the whole thing that makes the deck work. Living Tribunal, we're we'll getting to, you get more. Uh, dude, I, I think that the synergy that Magic brings is what is so damn cool. And it didn't feel this way in the beta because there wasn't all these decks that did well, especially with the turn 7. There was really only one. And that's my number one candidate of the deck on the rise. We'll get to that. Magic here just felt super refreshing. And it, it, you know what it is? is—is It brought this cool mechanics to, to, that can happen in any game. And that is that turn seven play. I, I love it, man. I, I think they nailed it.
1: Change is fantastic. And the thing I really like about it is it feels way more fair than the original version of Magic, like that beta version. Yeah. Hitting your opponent with a surprise turn seven play when they've played their apocalypse down and they thought the end of the game had happened was brutal. You were prepared for that turn seven and your opponent was scrambling to figure out like what they could possibly do. It was like one of the most unfair effects in the game by far. It actually made Magic the best... Card in the game, pretty much, right? And it's gonna, and it worked wonderfully with a deck archetype I'm sure we're gonna be talking about shortly. And ultimately, I think that this change is amazing because it's way more fair. Because what you have here is a turn three magic, turn four man. You're not gonna wanna play magic on turn five, but if you played earlier, your opponent has more time to prepare. If you're willing to skip turn six <laughs> so that you can hold on the She Hulk and Infinite, you got coconuts of steel because, I'm sorry, so many people right now are ready to get rid of that magic limbo. There's a gamble there. It's yep. not guaranteed that let, that turn seven is going to pop off because now your opponent knows and gets to plan in advance that, oh, they're planning on turn seven. Maybe we can take them by surprise.
0: And as time goes on, magic's only going to get better. Like all cards that we see in Snap, they have this stock that goes like way up. Then it kind of does this, right? And so it's that where magic isn't anticipated all the time is going to make it all feel a lot better because then you don't even have the counter plays and then you're actually surprising. And your benefit is you built your deck to go seven turns. They didn't. So if they can stop it, I think that's fair. And you do run the risk, right, of if you're skipping six, man, you're playing with fire with usually the payoff to win is the way that I look at it. So love the magic change. I think we could have a whole topic of what other cards deserve this kind of bold change. I'm here for it, buddy. So magic, awesome stuff. Uh, Now our next change is going to be you know, let's just get right to the hot stuff, right? Let's get to the next kind of spiciest one, or at least up there in spicy changes. Bro, I, I mean, I, it, we haven't seen a revival of a card so quickly, a turnaround so quickly, and honestly, another just like soft clap, golf clap. Say what you will. You could say they did this to sell more season passes, or you can choose to look at it as like, they saw the feedback that nobody was excited about this card, and they hopped on it quickly. And, and, and I think they did a good job here because... This might be the boldest change they did. 100%.
1: I 100% agree. You know what? If they're going to sell more season passes because they iterated on a card fast, they fixed it up and made it more meta-relevant when they had to, then good on them. Sell more season passes because we want to see this responsiveness. This is huge. I mean, in any other game, this card would, forget about print, in any other game at all, this card would have sat useless for months until it got changed. It is literally still the season pass card and it got changed. That to me is so exciting. The fact that we have a a team that's like that responsive to what's going on. And like, listen, Phoenix force as a five, we talked about right here on the Snapchat. It was like a cool card. It had its moments, but it was so hard to to build around. Like it felt kind of like at five cost, it was just hard. And you even said it on the original discussion. You said, "I, I, you know, five's too expensive. It'd be nice if it was four. And now here we are, it's four. And it feels like a complete revival. It's rising from the ashes.
0: I, like, there's so much to talk about from Phoenix Force. I, I feel like the perfect thing about it is, like, Legion here, the worst part about this card is that he's a 5-cost. The 5-cost is just such a bad cost, man. It's, 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 you have to have significant change or impact for you to be a 5-cost card, especially because Zabu's a thing. So when you're even one down, you've entered this whole other tier Right, that can just like get a variety of play. Three obviously has the silver surface stuff going on, and then two and one are just cheap for what they can do. And so, five costs better be damn good. And if they're not, then they're awkward, right? So, with Phoenix Force, dude, I, co- I couldn't believe it was just one cost down and then just one power down. That's I think that's what really shook me uh, on the change here. And what deck do you think this benefit the most? And I think, by a large, I think, largely. This was a massive boost to move. Uh, A massive boost to move. Absolutely
1: insane. Insane buff to move. And um, I mean, it it goes right into the probably the next card we'll talk about. But like literally move got so much love here because like, I mean, even in the developer notes, they said like, yeah, we know multiple man's now an eight. Like we get it. We know what we did. And I mean, it's insane. And I, I think that we're still like working on it. Like this, this patch change just happened. This OTA just happened. I think Phoenix Force's best decks are still in front of them. Oh, We're going to figure these out. Without right? question.
0: I, 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 if people came here to know, like, what is the best Phoenix Force deck? I think there's some good ones out there. Phoenix Force and combos and the best uses are not discovered. I think Magic was the hot toy that was very straightforward and easy and fun. Phoenix Force has the world ahead. Super excited about the change. The thing about this, this card is
1: it, when it finds that incredible synergistic kind of deck, it's going to completely slap. Like I, and it's, it's deck building considerations are so complex that it's hard to like just immediately, ju- like you're right. You said it perfectly. Magic is just like plug and play. Boom. I know exactly what this card's doing. Phoenix force requires a whole different mindset to the deck building approach. And that's why I think it's taking a little longer, but still, I think this is a banger card. What a change, honestly.
0: And the devs, the devs commented on it. So we, we can say that for your, uh, your side there. But on my video, the first thing I said on the OTA is like, at this point, I just feel like Vision and Captain Marvel has such like a weird place in the game, but even more so, uh, Absorbing Man, and you know, I know that they 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 kind of they they have to be careful with Absorbing Man. Like, I kind of respect that and I get that. At the same time, like, the best part about Phoenix Force Man is that reactivation of an ability, and what blows my mind is like, that's why I love her and let's say like Destroy because getting a Venom again, getting. Really anything, but also you have Deadpool, Wolverine and these cards that you know won't come back up. It's like targeted discard, right? Like you're able to kind of like force what Phoenix Force is going to become and the and really just it boils down to the extra turn to move and to manipulate. I think it, it's not even about the cost, the power going from five to four. It's the fact that this card prides itself off of having another turn more so than most cards. And I'm just happy that they were willing to do it as fast
1: as they were.
0: Can you believe there was a time before OTAs? Like, it, 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 it kind of blows my mind that we were, I mean, like, rightfully so. We were so pumped about OTAs. They have just, even every other week, what they have done for Snap it, it is absolutely huge. I mean, we waited, I remember, like, two months for them to change leader. Plus, to change leader, and he was running muck, right? Never mind the, the nerfs, but just the buff end of it. Just the way that last week, I remember they came back from the holiday, and you're like, oh, okay, they did High Evo, Gambit, Nakia, that's kind of cool. And then they dropped this giant week, which no one was expecting. And so, again, just hats off. Hats off to the team, and keeping everybody surprised. I think that's, that's so much fun. That's, it's a damn fun time. Now, let's move to the other OTA card alongside Phoenix Force, and that's going to be Ghost Spider. This is, I think... You know, just not. it's like all these bands got announced at a concert, and you have a really huge artist, but they're not as big as the other ones, so they're not talked about. Ghost Spider going to a 1-2 is massive. If this card released at a 1-2, I think we'd be talking even more crazy about what she brings. It changes move completely, opens up more combos, opens up her, her usage in other decks... I love, this might be one of my, this might be my second favorite change, even with how big the other two are.
1: I actually, this is my favorite change. And I I get it. Like the other ones are are like potentially more meta impactful right now, but this changes move for eternity. This completely changes move because like, it's just, I thought it was good before at two, three, I was a ghost spider truther. I love ghost spider. We talked about last week, how like I I was using ghost spider, like Iron Man list to like move the Iron Man around, do all this cool manipulation on turn six. It got easier now. And the crazy thing about it now is like, if you think about what move has in terms of tools, you have ghost spider that can basically in reaction, move a card left or right. Or you have the option of iron fist, which kind of locks and loads the move to the left. So you have uh, like similar tools that have a different type of performing function. Again, this is more tools for move. basically do its thing now you have the the opportunity to play limbo relatively uh early you can play you know now you have that extra turn to continue moving whatever you want to move you can hind all the move stuff back it is crazy it's crazy what ghost spider does for the entire archetype and i'm all for it
0: even with the magic change this was the one i was most shocked about because i felt like maybe she wasn't like insane as a two three I just felt like she belonged where she was at. I was like this is great. This is another good like up the the ramp ladder of energy. This works out perfectly of a two cost card, a lot of fun plays, you can do wave and her on 5, you know, you got some of this fun stuff. Now you now have Iron Fist and her, which is it, which is I think a, a huge win. Uh, but also something as as simple as Spider-Man 2099. I think 2099 now you can play on turn 5 and th- that's kind of kind of nice, kind of massive uh, depending on what the play is. So it opens up him more, but it opens up everything we've talked about. Vulture, multiple man, and like you said, with a combination, it's just that much bigger. I mean, let's say like Spider-Man 2099. You can now play him down on four or Vulture or whoever. You can play Ghost Spider on five, then wave, then Iron Fist. All together in one turn. And then go into turn six with all the craziness. Maybe you limboed. Move has huge days ahead of it. We've seen the months in advance, there's not a lot of movement coming out, but this is a great start for a archetype that already rewarded you with mastering.
1: It, at one cost, it just feels like such a good card, and the thing that really kind of occurred to me, Cozy, was like, sometimes archetypes have cards that overperform, right? They, they, just, they, they lift the archetype. Like for me, MODOK. If MODOK was a 5-6, I think he'd still be playable. But as a 5-8, it lifts the entire discard archetype a little bit. Yep. As a 1-2, Ghost Spider lifts the entire archetype all together because it's that good. It's also worth noting that she's excellent at like sometimes location mitigation. So like if there's like a Luke's bar, right? Oh, yeah. She can get cards into that location. Death's- she can get cards into those locations. So like she's actually, as a 1 cost, it's so much easier to be like, well, Death Domain, boom, I'm sliding my Dark Hawk in there it's is overkill, but whatever, you know what I mean, right? You can just slide something in there and yeah, you're sacrificing Ghost Spider, but she did her
0: job. Uh, dude, I lost a game the other day. I had brood and it was Luke's bar and I was like, "Ha, yeah, they're not going to be able to get this." And they had ghost spiders and conquest and I had to just I had to I had to retreat. After I already snapped because I felt really good. Location uh management might be her be- one of her best traits, by far, outside of the surprise factor, for sure, man. So, ghost spider Huge winner here. Altogether, man, one of those weeks that I'm just glad we have a break in between the next OTA. We're going to let this one settle. More decks are going to rise up. Different combinations, different card. It's going to be awesome. And I'm excited to see where Ghost Spider Magic and Phoenix Force are going to find more of a home. Because even in the first few days, nasty stuff. Uh, Next card, man. It's not that it's like a banger. It's not that it's the best deck in the game or anything. But Living Tribunal finally feels a little bit like hella or another deck that just has the capability to win now, which is cool. I love it. I think it's very unique in the 6-9. And it's not even him, bro. It's the magic change. The magic change was a bigger buff to him than him himself.
1: And ultimately, this is really not that much of a buff because of the way it splits the power up. And I guess the next step, I kind of mentioned this, would the next step be if it's not strong enough Do do they make it so it just rounds more favorably? Like, it just always rounds up, for instance, to make the math easier?
0: No, I think this card's in a good place, dude. Like, I think that it builds tall. I think that it can do its job pretty nicely. I think the magic change was huge because it allows you yet another turn to build up with. Spider-Ham, it it is this thing's worst than me. You hit the Onslaught, the Iron Man, or the Living Tribunal. Goodbye. Goodbye, good sir. When I was testing this deck out, I got a deck guy coming out. Uh, like this was the biggest culprit to kind of keep it in check, as well as I spent the, the typical offenders of like a greedy ramp deck. It's just now winnable, and, and that excites me. I'm excited to see, you know, what other cards will come out in the future that will make Tribunal even better. And everybody's, not everybody, but a lot of people have it now. Like, because of yeah. the whole spotlight cache, it even made that, like, Band-Aid a little bit better because what was the worst pull now becomes a playable archetype that you can at least mess around with, with, which is pretty cool stuff. I'll talk about it more in the SDCC conversation, but it was really cool. Uh, one of the artists were there. Uh, there were a couple of artists that uh, that aren't in the game yet or in the data mines. They're, they're not found. And uh, they were at it, and his instruction was to make a card for Tribunal. And he didn't know, like, who Tribunal was, All I got to say is this guy, man, is going to bring some of the best, like, in contention with Art Germ, in my opinion, of just, like, realistic, incredible cards that I think fit a wide variety of, like, like, don't get me wrong. I love, I love Dan Hip. I'll get to that. But when you're, like, when you got, like, Tribunal, you want, like, an epic variant, right? Like, sometimes you don't want the cartoon. Maybe you do. But this guy brings some like big scale and, and really just power to these these characters, these iconic characters. Let's talk about the nerfs, man. We'll be brief, but I think this was the best they've handled nerfing an archetype without killing it. it, it, it in one of the best ways, man. I love what they did. Uh, it, yes, it's sad in some form, but it had to happen.
1: It has to happen if like a deck completely dominates pretty much all facets of Marvel Snap. You just can't have that, right? And I don't think that like balance wasn't what Shuri was. It wasn't what Leader was. It was a little different. I think what it was, was that like it, had, it was a very high skill cap deck. And players that became very accustomed, very skilled at bounce, could incredibly outmaneuver a standard deck. Like The win rates were getting inflated because someone who mastered bounce could legitimately just like wave wasn't even a factor anymore. It became a factor like, oh, they're going to wave on conquest while well, I'm dumping everything on turn turn five. And that's kind of what, why the pit monkey nerf is what it is, right? To, to delay to make wave relevant again. Right. It's just crazy to think that like they had to kind of hit three cards in a small way to kind of bring it back. Like, was it really those three cards? Like, it's funny. Cause like, I, I, I'm almost positive. We actually called that the Spider-Ham could go two-cost. i almost positive we said Spider-Ham two-cost.
0: Yeah, we said. I think we said either make Iceman have the ability, bring uh, Spider-Ham's power down, or his cost up. And they went with cost up. It's crazy that to what you just said. They targeted three cards, and all three of them didn't get to a point of not playable. I get that you guys are going to be frustrated that maybe Hitmonkey isn't what he was, um, but they, they didn't take away what Hitmonkey can do well. Uh, or they didn't take away what Kitty Pride does. Now, they didn't address the priority dodging that this deck does, and it's the best thing that the deck does, but maybe that's its identity, right? Just like negative can pop off like crazy if it gets things going, maybe that's some of what it can pull. I think it still could be a problem, but this was a really good start, and I think it is going to affect the deck. I think bounce is still very good. You're, 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 you're kidding yourself if you don't think bounce is a, is a good archetype. Their mission again wasn't to make bounce bad; it was to make other decks rise up to the competition of what it was.
1: I love what you said about the priority dodging. That still is huge, in my opinion. It still gives bounce a massive advantage in a lot of situations. But yeah, I like him, monkey. I, I, in my experience with bounce, like it's still just good. Like it still has its identity. It just feels more fair, and I think that's important.
0: Yeah, and Spider Ham, like you didn't really want to play till two. Like you could play him on one; it would work on one, especially if you bounce it back. But, like, the optimal way to be playing Spider-Ham is, like, give them some more draw, and then you played, hoping they got one of their big combo pieces. So, again, they hit three cards. Yes, Hitmonkey went down a little bit as far as, like, overall just, like, going wild with the card. But he got the two power on top. He can get a little bit bigger. You can still play him with Mysterio and get that nice little combo that's even better now at that, at that point if you didn't have a one-cost drop to play in the same turn. Less board space to get him up there. I think it's a net win. Good job here. Good job on the balance, and I'm excited... Because now there isn't this villain of Marvel Snap. Who is it? I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it's not as clear as it was. It, I for a while I thought it was going to be Spider Ham for sure, which was sad because I love the ham.
1: I love the ham. Uh, but I think what they did, which is brilliant, which is brilliant, is that like if you think about the play pattern of Bounce and what Spider Ham was doing for it, turn one was Kitty Pride, right? Turn two was usually Spider Ham and Kitty Pride. Turn three was Angela Kitty Pride. Turn four was Bishop Kitty Pride. <laughs> it was all this like kitty pride plus one plus one to generate as much value as possible. And when you move that Spider Ham to two cost, now suddenly it the, the deck slows down. It becomes way less efficient. And I think that's one of the major things. It feels more clunky to play. It feels like you can't just slide whatever you want in on turn two. It, it, it the, the slowdown effect of the change of Spider Ham for balance was huge, and I think that Spider Ham just had to get touched up. It's like it's everything that Leech did, except it it, it just I don't know. Spider Ham had to get touched. I'm glad it
0: did. Let's go ahead and go to decks on the rise. Meta decks that are now coming from really kind of a people are trying to figure it out. What is gonna dominate next, right? What's gonna rise to popularity? And I tell you what, man, was not expecting was not expecting this deck to get up there, and it's the one I gotta kick us off with, as you know, we've kind of hinted at it, we knew back in beta, Magic had the perfect pairing with what card, what card could obviously benefit the most from an extra turn, and it was clearly Mr. Negative, Negative. and this was before the best, and this was before so many cards like Zabu that could kind of rise this guy up in elevation. And it's wild. I think this it has got like a 16% play rate right now on the general ladder. And that, I think, ties to people being excited that Negative is back in some capacity. We kind of talked about it on your, uh, on, on your side last week that Negative felt like you, you got to be so careful with him. But he did feel like, mm, he's just kind he could get a, something to help out his more consistency. Man, Sarah Negative Surfer. This deck is so brutal. Uh, the Hitmonkey is interchangeable. You can play Bishop, Spain. This deck is just win condition after win condition. You have so many things that work with it. And this isn't the only Mr. Negative deck you could play, but this one just feels so damn good, Alex, because of Magic being a three cost. I got Hitmonkey being a three cost. The Wong, there isn't a bad pull to get with negative. Have you played this thing yet? Yeah, I've played a lot of it. I've played a lot of it,
1: and I got. I'll be honest with you. Full disclosure, I'm not a fan of Mister Negative. I've never liked the play style because it's like I win when if I draw, him, if I don't draw, him, I lose. And I, I, you know, I do the usual. But like what I've been experimenting with, what I really like is the I take out Zabu and I use uh, Psylocke because let's see if, if I need to get Sarah out early or whatever. And a little bit there, I, I prefer the version with Wolfsbane because I love Wolfsbane and Wong. Like it just makes me so happy seeing it go vertical. But where this deck just takes you by surprise. Is when you, when you just, when you top deck that Iron Man and you're like, this game's mine. Like there's, I can't lose now. Like, I don't care what you do. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. Because like Mr. Negative so disproportionately benefits from those late game draws, unlike any other deck, unlike any other deck, that magic synergy, just giving you that opportunity to just keep drawing cards, just keep drawing cards. Every card you draw is an absolute banger, with the exception of Zabu. If you don't get Zabu early, right, and you draw Zabu later, it feels awful. But outside of that, it's all gold.
0: It's the meme as old as time that Mr. Negative's hidden ability is that he doesn't come out until turn 5. I just feel like this deck, though, like, if you're not a negative player, that's fine. I I just feel like you can't ignore the consistency of this deck. I think this deck is much more consistent because of the turn 7, because you have backup plans, because Bass is good with Iron Man anyway, so if you don't pull it, that's fine but I feel like he was the biggest winner that wasn't a directly buff card from the patch.
1: I like your inclusion of Sarah because that's one of the cards I think got cut in some of the initial uh, lists. Uh, your inclusion of it I think makes sense because what I found was like the reason why this deck worked for me, even though I'm not a big negative fan, but I don't draw negative. I just play like I'm playing Silver Surfer for the most part. And yes, you are giving some compromise there. Like you don't have Maximus, you don't have Polaris. You're, like you're missing some couple pieces, but you're still in the damn game. You're still in the damn
0: game. And that's why Zabu's in there for me is because if you don't pull it and you have the Zabu down and you can play Sarah, your Wong all of a sudden now is looking at a two power, man. So you're able to pop off with the double surf hit. And that, to me, with Brood alone, you know, is going to win a lane if you pull that, right? And so it is. It's that second conditionary. How do you pull consistency? But this thing is everywhere. This is right now. But again, I think it's the fun. And Mr. Negative brings a bit, man. A uh, lot of decks on the rise. Mr. Negative, if you haven't tried it, guys, give it a shot. If you haven't seen the video, you can go ahead and check it out. Alex, give me a deck that you think is on the rise. One of the ones that
1: I've been absolutely loving, and uh, it's uh, it's honestly a deck that you're seeing in the tournament scene quite a bit. It's going to be Thanos Control. I think Thanos Control has been on a steady rise. Thanos as a whole is on the rise, which is great. And uh, on the screen here, you see the deck here, and what we've got is we've got a Psylocke, Luke Cage, Jeff, Cosmo Shang-Chi, Iron Lad, which I mean, we've all had a chance to pick up now thanks to the Spotlight Caches. We've got ourselves Blue Marvel. We've got Devil Dinosaur, Professor X Claw, Spider-Man, and finally King Thanos themselves. The thing I love about this deck is that it gives you so much opportunity to completely shut down your opponent's gameplay. plan? That Psylocke, look, you got Psylocke into uh, Devil Dinosaur, but what you really want is you want Psylocke into Professor X, which is so punishing. Like a, a turn four Professor X just completely shatters the dreams of uh, of your opponent, and then naturally you got the Jeff. You've got the tech you need. I just I love the deck. And I know that you like you're a huge fan of Thanos. You just recently released the ongoing Thanos deck, which by the way, I absolutely loved that deck. It was so fun to play. And now we're seeing more iterations where we're having like, you know, more kind of like experimentation with Thanos. I love it. It's a great time to be a Thanos gamer.
0: What it is, dude, is Professor X just benefits with Thanos no matter what. Because you have cheap cards that are played, and then you can play them on top. But then you also have your big cards, your big lane cards, the craziness that goes on with it. And now you're introducing these kind of tech counters, Thanos Control, or I think I call it King Thanos, whatever you want to call it, dude, it's it's killing it.
1: I, I agree. I think your deck's phenomenal. In fact, I believe I was one of the ones that released a video. I literally called it King Thanos, cozy snap in the time <laughs> because it was, and the deck was amazing. It was so good. And uh, you know what? I still think back, Cozy, to one of the first earlier Snapchats where I'm like, I think Thanos sucks, Cozy. And you're like, no, Alex, you're going to, you know, it's going to be an infinite deck. You just see Thanos is going to be it. And here we are. And here we are, Cozy, where Thanos has been legitimately one of the best cards in Marvel Snap for some time. Even if it's not the top deck, it gives you a unique experience. It can get you infinite. It can get you those infinity wins in the conquest. It can do everything, Cozy. You know what? I'll admit it here for the first time. You were right. I was wrong. Thanos
0: is the king. Listen, I, I I just love the type of cards that Thanos is. Like, Loki's going to be that as well. Where it's one card that introduces a completely different play style. And Conquest was just built for Thanos. Conquest was built for the card that gives you a lot of play, gives you great curve, gives you ways to have tools and really manipulate these stones. Thanos, man, it's good to have him back. That's why I made a video on him. It was just far too long that this man was being disrespected and forgotten because of high EVO. And uh, it, it's good to see him back in the meta. Uh, the, next, uh, the, the, the next one that I think I want to talk about. I w- <laughs> Let's not make this another Silver Surfer podcast, Alex. We got we to avoid it this time, okay? For the record, I didn't bring it up. You did. I, 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 facts. Sometimes you see a three-cost card. You're like, Gambit, Surfer. He no, it's not always meant to go with Surfer. But Magic and surfer go together so well because you're creating an extra turn to dump on curve these three cost cards that can just dump so quickly or you can manipulate your Sarah so much more and you can play your magic down early oh and guess what it benefits from the surfer as well dude i love it i love it what a winner from this freaking patch, I can't believe it. Uh, these this past few weeks for surf has been insane. <laughs>
1: it sounds so stupid, but one of my favorite plays that I've been doing. It's it's like it's such a meme, but. You play you play magic and then you get get good old Rhino <laughs> and on turn six with your Sarah on board. You basically just like you you play like your your Rhino Killmonger and and your Silver Surfer. You blow up Limbo on turn six. It's just like it's just so stupid. The magic trick Silver Surfer deck.
0: I like it, but you're just having a bunch of different builds come out of this. And now Negative Surfer. You're having you know ones with Rogue. You're having control the ones that kind of build up tall. You have it, it's cool. It's cool to see where the variations of Surfer is going. It is interesting, in a few months from now, are we going to look back and am I going to clip this and say they're kind of in a hole because it's if they nerf a card or buff a card or bring a card out, that's a 3-cost, Surfer. If it's a 4-cost, Zabu. Everything else, is it awkward, especially 5-cost. And that's the problem with Legion is that you just find this weird 5-cost area and what to do with that. There's, it's tough. It's a tough pickle there. I don't know.
1: I'm a huge fan of the card. You know it's one of my absolute favorite in the game, so I don't want to see it go anywhere. So I'm just excited that people are seeing what I've always seen in Silver Surfer. And the thing I love most is that it's an archetype that's so flexible. If you're seeing lots of ongoing, right, you throw that rogue in there. If you're seeing lots of bounce and buff stuff, you just throw the uh, Shadow King in there. There's so many ways you can approach Silver Surfer, and I'm all for it.
0: Next deck that we got to talk about, that's on the right. Not even on the rise. Because I think this is one of those. There's there's decks that consistently perform well. Like Sherry's doing really well at the moment. We're not going to talk about Sherry on screen. But consistent power patriot is what I like to call it. You can call it Iron Patriot, Iron Lad, Patriot Lad. Having the use of Iron Patriot or Iron Lad with the Patriot card. It's just a way that it's so consistent in these other decks that even if they're consistent like this new Mr. Negative Surfer, it is going to out consist. This, this deck that you can pump up power that also pushes out a ton of power. And so I think the deck here that we've got on the screen, it's got Wasp, Mr. Sinister. Uh, Wasp, to me, is interchangeable. Uh, because of Bounce, you do have the existence of an Invisible Woman and Killmonger package, but you can lean more into these kind of cards like Patriot that you want to go and play into it. You have Mystique, Patriot, Brood, Shang-Chi, Iron Lad, Blue Marvel, Dr. Doom, and Ultron. Doom is still surviving a little bit in these Patriot packages and I think it's, it's nice to see this thing get play but let me, let me, let me go to the next, the next deck here. The Cerebro will always be a meme in some sorts but Cerebro 2 Alex because of again magic and not just magic my friend but my god it was the first thing that I noticed with the change having a card like Spider Hand that can naturally now curve up in power dude I think this Cerebro 2 deck has a decent shot to be pretty damn good like I'm not traditionally a Cerebro player. I'm just not. Like, I tilt out playing Cerebro games
1: because these stupid locations all the time just piss me off. And then now, suddenly, right? You you got magic in there, right? That you can use to, like, crack some locations. You got you got Spider-Ham
0: that messes up their top
1: end while consistently providing you with a good play early on in the game.
0: Alex, before we show the deck, the main deck, I want to talk, like, now, staples into C2. Like, what's going to make it in there? Obviously, Mr. Sinister is a no-brainer, right? Just a very strong Cerebro 2 deck. Cerebro Mystique, we won't mention them. Brood is going to be, I I think, a must-include. I I think Magic now. I I honestly think Magic, why would you not want to? Because it works so well with what what it's trying to do. But never mind just that, dude. What it also does is it gets rid of uh, locations that you need to get rid of. I think that's the biggest thing around it in C2. It's huge. Magic's ability to
1: completely uh, annihilate one location is massive. In fact, it's the thing that destroys Cerebro. Like, it's locations that destroy Cerebro, or it's Scorpions on the other end just destroy it. but, you, you know, you're teching in Luke Cage more often than not now. It's a very natural fit. It's just, the, the deck seems
0: to be making more and more sense. And you're right, Magic was a huge buff to Cerebro. Bro, we got Magic and we have Storm now being both in Cerebro. That's two locations that you can get rid of. It's why I've got a deck guide coming out on it as well this week. Super pumped about Cerebro. Obviously, Blue Marvel will never be removed from a Cerebro 2 deck. And so at the end of the day, you got a list uh, that is composed of all these cards we just mentioned. And then add in Spider-Ham and Scorpion, right? So those are the ones that just bring a little bit of balance on your side. You kind of punch the opponent, but also build up your own side. Exciting stuff for a version of an archetype that's been dead for a little bit. The one I got to finish on, man, Sarah Control, Sarah Miracle, the good, the old faithful. I think this is right where Monkey belongs. I think this is where Kitty is going to be belonging now with a deck that isn't going to be purely about bounce. Honestly, I think the Scarlet Witch in here is so good as well to get yourself some magic. This is the staple list, guys. I, you know, I'll read it off, but Sarah, Enchantress, Shang-Chi, Killmonger, the Nova Package, Bishop with Mysterio, right? Angela, Kitty Pride, Scarlet, it, it's all there. And then the last spot could be for multiple cards. You know, you can go Luke Cage, Sentinel, whatever. I think this is the safe bet in the Infinity Conquest, man, and, and, and the one on the rise that I'm excited to see with Hitmonkey and Kitty in it that don't feel like it's bounced. As a
1: whole, Sarah Control feels like it has a very even match spread. Like, there's very few decks that stop it. For the most part, it feels like it competes everywhere. What I thought took it out a little bit, Was that you had the verticality of bounce, which it it struggled to compete with, but now with bounce coming down ever so slightly, you know, Sarah, Sarah control feels like it's a much better spot. Yep. It's funny how like maybe one deck really emerging as a favorite deck can impact other ones that are technically really good. And as patches come out and OTAs start to adjust the the balance of power at the top, some of the middling and actual still like A tier decks start to rise as well because the matchups improve. Um, And I think that's definitely the case for Sarah Control. Yeah, honestly, it's an amazing call out. It's one of those decks that like if you're only going to play one, if you're going to play one deck and you want like this evergreen deck that no matter what you feel like you have a chance in every single game, this Mm -hmm. is the one.
0: All right, buddy, let's talk Comic-Con. What's a good card to have on screen? I'm going to be showing a lot of pictures or at least a good amount on screen of the first year of Snap in Comic-Con, man. And it was, it lived up to to the hype. I've been to Comic-Con a couple years, man. About four years now, uh, more than a couple, I guess. And, and hot damn, dude. Oh, first of all, I got to show you this. Have you seen my best split of all time? Oh, are you kidding me? It's the best split I'll ever get in my life. This is
1: insane. Unbelievable. This is a golden... Ultimate Iron Man with a golden Kirby Crackle. This is literally the perfect card. Cozy, you've done it.
0: I haven't released the, the, the short yet, but I, I I recorded the opening of this and it and I lost it. Like a I I was like at a Justin Bieber concert, and I was a 12 year old preteen just spitting with excitement. I, I can't believe it. I, I opened this. You know when you get I don't know, you make a hole in one and, and putt putt or something. I don't, and you know, this is I hit my peak, right? Like this is the best variant I'll ever open. And I I'm, I'm, I know that to be true. I'll never, ever beat this ultimate Iron Man. But uh, anyway, the Marvel Snap panel was just an awesome thing to witness. It was it was cool to have not only like a room full of just hundreds of people uh, that were just obviously diehard Snap players, but you had Ben Brode there. You had the man, the myth, the legend of Ben Brode. You had Johnny, who uh, does and handles all the, uh, the art, and he works with the artists to get their art in the game. Uh, he's in charge of the variants, things like that. Really cool guy. Johnny is a legend. I love this guy. His personality is great. Love the guy. Dan Hip was there, the legendary hipster himself, which was fun. I wanted to see what he looked like because he only has a cartoon representation of himself. He he is now a legend amongst Marvel snappers. Uh, You had Ryan Benjamin. When I say like artisan snap, who do you think? Because there's a few that like definitely like rise out in popularity. Uh, What are some that come to your mind?
1: Like like Archer for me stands out. Yeah. Ryan Gonzalez stands out. Yep. Dan Hip, of course Dan Hip is like Dan Hip, right? But I'm glad you you mentioned Ryan Benjamin cuz like people might not realize that there is a whole lot of Ryan Benjamin in there.
0: Dude, Ryan Benjamin, get this. It, it, once I saw his art, I was like, "Oh, this is Oh, that's Ryan Benjamin." Ryan Benjamin has done most of the base art in Snap. He's done a large part of the base art in Snap. He did like Venomize Killmonger, but his style is very recognizable, right? Like, again, I showed you that Magneto for those that are watching, but uh, the other ones that want to know uh, like America Chavez's base art here like screams Ryan Benjamin. Like you can kind of tell his style right away. Awesome dude. Really good guy. San Diego local, as well as two other artists that are not in Snap. And uh, we got to see... I, you know, I look and work in data mines all the time, looking at stuff that's not released, why I do thumbnails and stuff. And uh, we got to see a lot of art, and I'll put some of the pictures that I have on screen, of art that hasn't been released yet. And what's cool about this is both of these artists, one is what I was alluding to earlier with um with Living Tribunal, like epic, these epic art pieces. And re- kind of, you know what, it, it reminded me of like, um of like, uh, museum art it was like uh, it was like uh, if it was regal marvel is the way this one guy's variants are and he's getting a lot of them and then the other one was uh like almost i don't want to say dan hip but it was like playful this panel was cool for marvel snap players and then i had even a couple friends with me that don't play marvel snap and it was extremely interesting but we will talk about the spoilers some of the stuff we saw right and uh yeah, i i i definitely have to have to mention the first one I know it kind of floated around Twitter. I I got a picture of it. I didn't post it. I didn't want to be the guy that posted it. To to be, to be honest, but then I saw like everyone post it. Uh, they have now new emotes and reactions. Now the emotes, man, I'll put them on screen. Alex, ten out of ten, man. They, they have you seen these before? Where they have like the memes and everything?
1: Uh, yeah, I've, I've I've bumped into the Twitter threads and Reddit and stuff like that. Yeah, they look they look so funny. I love them. I love them. They they capture the spirit of like of Marvel snap really well. Like you can use these emotes and like, it's just a, a positive experience. Like it's I'm waiting. I was like, okay, which is going to be the one to the new Miss Marvel? Like, which is the one that's actually in, like going to be misinterpreted at all points in time. Right. But like, yeah, I think they're great cozy. And um, I, I just, I'm just excited for more opportunities for us to like express ourselves in game. Like even positively, like one of my favorite things in snap, this might sound stupid, but I love at the start of a proving grounds, the double snap and a fist bump that like, it, to me, it's, like, a great feeling. It's such a good, like, let's go, buddy. Let's go, right? I love emoting. I think it's such a positive thing in the game. Uh, you know, the, the, the spam emoting and the marble thumbs up stuff can maybe go somewhere, but...
0: I love it. Yeah, I think the I think the Venom might be up there, the Leader. There's a couple uh, toxic ones, and, and they're all kind of inspired by some of these memes. And then they're also doing the reactions, which no one really does. And I think this is their hope to kind of bring out more of these, which because they're cool. I think they need to be uh, used more. And they've already said they're going to confirm that. Uh, pretty sure it confirmed that every single character card is going to get a reaction set. So like, I love that that they're just including them all. And, and that's uh, they did not say how these are going to be released. The other thing that was cool is they also showed a variant style is being made for every single card. And I'm excited for more of that, like where you can collect every single card in one style. And so that's pretty exciting. They showed a lot of, uh, you know, man, they had the Halloween stuff coming out. Arnim Zola Game Boy. I mean, come on. It, it, perfect for the card. Iron Man at the party. Uh, they had a sheep in wolf's clothing and it was wolf, uh, wolf's bane with the sheep. Uh, just I'm here for more fun variants like that. Like that, that's what I'm excited about, man, it, it, it are the fun stuff to have these characters like represented, you know, badass characters are great. Some of these were fun. So that was good stuff. And then another thing, man, is the, uh, they showed zombies, which I think they've been trying to get zombies and Marvel are kind of together. There's a lot there that kind of cross pollinates. And, uh, we now, uh, we got our first kind of reaction. I think the stuff I saw uh, on Twitter is like, does this confirm token cards getting their art? Yes and no. So, the squirrels are gonna have uh, zombie squirrels. Uh, in case you don't know what we're talking about, uh, Dr. Doom's bots and drones of Ultron, Mysterios, they're all the same art. Now we got a squirrel that's officially a zombie. And I think they are working their way towards a lot more token art moving forward, which is good. I think that's important when you get a variant. Yeah.
1: I agree. It's something that drives me insane. Like, I have, there, there are a few that told me out, like, the squirrels I could get, like, okay, fine, they're squirrels. But, like, the Mysterios drive me nuts. The, but they used to. They fixed it, actually. They fixed the Mysterios. It's the Mr. Sinister that stands out to me. And Brood is the same. But, man, you can make the argument Brood. But, like, the Mr. Sinister really bothers me. But I really like this change. I'm glad that the, uh, the tokens can get some art. Because, like, they kind of do stand out. Like, I have a beautiful art germ Doctor Doom. And then the, the bots are just the bots. They're still fine. Like, it's still good art. But, you know, it, it would be nice to get, uh, you know, those, uh, you know, variants as well.
0: Uh, September, we got some nice variants, and they did talk about the Loki season a bit more. Uh, Enchantress finally is going to get her official like Loki representation, which was just great to see the show tie into the game more. And then we've got ourselves a card that has not been seen, and that is Nico Minoru, which I'm sure I'm botching that. We don't know anything about her, but this was not even data datamined. We also saw the art for man thing, as you can see both on screen. When the panel ended... The first person I beelined for was Dan Hip. I was just over the moon. This is a picture of me and Dan Hip, just to talk to him. That's his daughter photobombing. Gotta love it. And uh, just be like, hey, man, I'm a hipster. Love opening your stuff. I was like, do you realize how much Marvel Snap embraces your art? Like how much people love the stuff you put out? And even Dan Hip, man, what was great is he made fun of himself. He said, you either think my art's great or that your little nephew drew it. Like it's, there's, no, there's, no, <laughs> there's no middle ground and his personality was fantastic as well. He's heard some of the Snapchat, so that was really cool to, to hear. What do you think was Dan Hip's favorite card that he drew in Snap? I'm going to
1: say his favorite would have been Spider-Ham with the hot dog. Why, does, why do you say that? I think it's cool. I
0: think it's, it's one of my favorite that he's done. That's fantastic. I thought it was Helicarrier it was, my, was my choice. Did you not see a leak on this? It was spider You're saying out of 300 whatever cards there's in the game, you just nailed it. It is. It is Spider-Ham. That was his favorite card. I
1: actually did not know that. I swear I did not know that. It's just, it's my favorite Dan Hip variant.
0: Dude, he goes, the first thing he opens up with is, it's a beef hot dog. Calm down. And because everyone was uh, poking fun that it was a hot dog with a pig. You nailed it, dude. That's, in, that's. I actually
1: got it right. I can't believe it. I actually did not know this.
0: I'm impressed. I'm impressed because I, I wouldn't have guessed Spider-Ham. I, I thought his helicarrier was like... Of epic proportions. It's like my. It's like one of my favorite. I'm not even a Hell guy, but the little Nick Fury on the jetpack man. I just can't get enough of him. Uh, Jamaro, uh, who's the art director of Snap, super cool guy, man. This guy I could have conversations with forever. I was lucky and fortunate enough to go to dinner with the team. So Ben Brode and and Johnny and Jamaro, we all got some dinner. Uh, all together, man. Just the dinner was like a memory, man, that I'll have. Forever, It was wild, man. Like I, I went from not ever talking to Ben to having an interview that you knew to me meant so much to, to grabbing dinner with the guy. And, and, I, and I can confirm, bro, the, the man is a consistent, positive dude. Just consistency across the board. Now, one other spoiler I forgot to mention is there's a question and answers, which they had to kind of cut short, sadly, because they, they went over their limit. And Comic-Con's like siphoning people out of this thing, right? Somebody asked about Robbie Reyes as Ghostwriter, that they want to see this representation in the game. And it was funny because they talked about not wanting to do uh, cards that were the same, right? Because there's games where I've played where there's like nine renditions of Han Solo, let's say, right? I think they wanted to avoid doing that. But it sounds like the, the, there's a possibility here where Robbie might get his own card and, and some of these other characters that have like multiple personas per se or, or, or kind of like types of the, the character, the hero, the villain – Uh, We could see that in the future, which was also exciting to see where this could all go on that front, too. So altogether, man, I think like my biggest, we talked about this with the Post Malone thing, but the amount of people that play this game blew me away. I wore like a Marvel Snap bomber on the second day, and like the sheer amount of people that are like, Hey, Marvel Snap, like they are like cozy, whatever, right? And like that was uh, just hundreds of people I got to talk to. And so humbling experience, super cool, super out of body. We're going to go ahead and end this bad boy. This is a longer version, but I'm glad you guys got to hear a little bit about San Diego Comic-Con. We're heading over to Alex's side of the channel. We're going to be talking about the card tier list, the top cards this month, best of the token shop, and the devs Q&A, answering some questions. That's that You definitely want the answers for Now we're going to be taking a look at the untapped card uh, car tier list here. And this is one that, you
1: know, a lot of people have been referencing with regards to the, the strength of cards, the power of cards and whatnot. And I think this is a fun launching point because there's a couple different points of interest here. And um, the tier list itself discusses how like the rankings are done based on popularity, power, win rate, and etc. But I think there are cards that really stand out here from both a positive standpoint and a negative standpoint. So we're going to pick apart some of uh, the ones that we see that uh, kind of stand out for us. Um naturally, we're not going to read through the entire tier list for the audio listeners, but we'll do our best to give you some uh, indications as to where they are and why we think it's a, a notable thing. Now, right off the top, we have in the top tier, Tier A, not S. It doesn't do Tier S. So, Tier A is the top. We've got a solo card and it's Magic. Cozy, does that surprise you?
0: Yeah, so this is pool 3 only for the section we're looking at here if you're looking for Jeff or whatever. Yeah, this is the latest patch. So, this is just a few days of data. But what's being played at, at the moment right now? No, not at all. Like, Magic is everywhere at the moment. Uh, Magic is, uh, even if you don't... The thing about Magic is, you don't have to like an archetype. You don't have to like a combo piece for you to love the card. Because it means you get to play or try to execute what you're doing more in, in pretty much every deck. So I'm not surprised that Magic is at the tippity-top right now. I am surprised by some of these other ones, though, in the B tier. I, I think I would say it's interesting there's no, more, there's no other A tier cards, though. It does surprise me a lot now magic being the top
1: card I would actually venture to disagree with slightly in terms of popularity sure right now popular uh, popularity wise it definitely is but strength wise in terms of like actual like potential power it does surprise me like I do think there are stronger cards in the game like its effect is extremely powerful but I don't think that in and of itself it is like an a tier card like it is the best card in Marvel snap. So definitely the popularity skew on here, I think is a little strong, but like, uh, when I look through that list cozy, one thing that really surprises me is how high venom is venom is the second highest card in the B tier, which is it basically it's the third best card according to this tier list. And, uh, it, you've been a believer in destroying for so long. It took me some getting used to, I was kind of sleeping on destroy for a bit, but that venom buff moving it to a three, three was huge. Does this surprise
0: you to see it so high? I think this tier list is popularity. It, I, like, I don't think there's a, like the other metrics. I don't know the weighting scale, but I think Wasp was in the A tier last time. It was at the top. Like, and we all know Wasp is far from popular. So, if I was looking at this at a popularity tier list with like a sprinkle of meta relevance, no, like you know what it is? Is it's because Phoenix Forces rise as well, right? So Venom is the best card probably to put into decks that want to utilize Phoenix Force for their own benefit. So I do see Venom at play because of that a ton. I mean, I just did a uh, kind of a destroy breakdown, the master destroy class, and, and Venom is my favorite destroy card because of what he brings. And, and it's crazy to think the 3-1 to the 3-3 three three was such a massive difference of the card, but you get to, in a destroy shell, no, you don't have any negatives because you're killing and destroying things to help your null, your death, you whatever. Build up the Wolverine, and then you're also building up the Venom. Uh, yeah, dude, I, I'm not... I I don't know if I'm surprised. Maybe at number three, that's, that's pretty surprising, but I do think that has a lot to do with Phoenix.
1: At number six, we have a card in Wong. Now that is way higher than I would have expected Wong to be. Now I'm a huge believer in on reveal lists. I think that like low key on reveal lists are actually pretty cool right now. Uh, You know, mid 50% win rate, but I think that you can catch some people by surprise. For me though, Wong feels high. Now, Wong is seeing a bit of a reemergence because of, well, a deck that we talked about on your side there. We have the uh, the negative Wong Surfer deck that's making strides. Where do you see Wong fitting into the current meta?
0: Yeah, so again, if I were to take this as popularity, it's strictly because Silver Surfer is through the roof right now. Negative Silver Surfer is the deck by a large margin. I think it's like 10% higher than most of the decks being played. And then maybe Echo had a little bit to do with Wong. Uh, if we're looking at just the last few days, Wong is, I don't think Wong is like much, much higher than he was, maybe prior to all these cards coming out. I think Magic kind of keeps Wong, like Magic doesn't add all too much outside of maybe some combo play. Wong, to me, got the biggest uplift through Conquest coming out, because you have less people playing Cosmo or whatever it might be. And with Echo coming out too, I think it does bring a nice little balance. I think Wong will always be good because of the nature of what he does, and there's always good on-reveal effects. I, I don't even know if I'd put him in the B tier, but yeah, in this list sorting, it's interesting to see him here, for sure.
1: Yeah, we're definitely kind of like taking a look at the list sorting itself and uh, trying to pick up some like, you know, a bit of analysis based on like the, the popularity of cards, what people are like perceiving as strong cards. Like, for instance, like I would agree that magic is being perceived as a very strong card right now. Whether or not that shakes out that way is a whole different story. There's a card in the B tier. Now it's, albeit it's near the bottom, but it's there. But I have to ask you your opinion on it. Cause for me, it blows my mind and it, it's, it's Crystal. It looks like it's about like, uh, you know, 30 deep respectively in the, the B tier here, but Crystal is sitting in the B tier, which I think Cozy's looking at confused right now. He's like, Alex, I don't know what you're going to ask me about Crystal, but I'm not prepared for an answer. Okay, I'll preface this by saying that I've actually been playing crystal. I've been playing more crystal than I think anybody out there right now, because I've been playing in Hella cause I thought it was pretty fascinating. This was before the magic change for the record, right? I think magic kind of steps on uh, crystals heels a little bit, cause you know, you get that free draw, right? I've been playing Hella in, uh, you know, uh, my, my Baron lists and my, uh, my Ronin lists, by the way, right over my shoulder, if you look right here, right there, you see what that is. It's a Baron Funko pop. Oh, can you believe I bought a Baron Mordor Funko Pop? That's right. That's what I did on the weekend. But uh, long story short, Crystal, right? Now somehow we're talking about Baron, but Crystal is in B tier. Cozy? It can't be popularity. <laughs> you know what I mean, it can't be popularity. What could possibly be rising Crystal's stock?
0: Dude, I don't know. I this is if you look at every other card here, I could explain it to a capacity, right? Like you got the, a lot of these belong. Hella is suspect as all hell, but it is up there because of Living Tribunal. And the patch was very recent. I think this is going to look drastically different come a week or two. Is it? I, listen, I, I have not dabbled into the Hella deck. I'm I'm just going to click on it. I have not dabbled in the Hella deck. Where is this being played? Let's see. Um, yeah, it still doesn't have great. uh well sure yeah then it's just the popularity of it it's like man does this just discredit the whole list no uh crystal definitely just doesn't belong with the rest of these i i yeah i don't know why crystal's there man it's just even you know what's funny is the crystal's even worse in my eyes because of magic magic gives you another card draw that builds into what you're trying to do and it's not a dead play i don't know it, uh, it must be popular in some deck that probably isn't that good. That's, that's
1: hilarious. I want to get you off guard a little bit here, right, with uh, with a couple. Okay, so are there any other ones that stand out to you in the B tier that, like, you know, that, that makes sense or they don't make sense to you?
0: I guess for me, it's like, I want to know, like, to you, what do you think are, you don't have to give me a specific order because it's on the on the, on the the spot here. But, like, what are, you, like, in your opinion, some of the best cards in the game? Because uh, this list is cute. But, like, I want to know, like, to you, like, what is kind of your, like, I get it. These cards bring so much to the table. Uh, You can just list some of the ones up that you see here. Uh, But what do you think? Like right off the top of my head, like Magneto. I think is like we talked about how
1: Magneto is like one of the few evergreen six drops that you can put into any deck. I mean, Doctor Doom still holds a place in my heart. Sarah is another one that like realistically is going to be in any top ten. But Dracula still an absolute banger. I think Dracula is is on the rise again, thanks to the Spider Ham nerf, right? Because obviously, discard got hit by the Spider Man, Spider Ham nerf. Sorry, She Hulk. Ironically, I still think is good. People are sleeping on She Hulk, you know. And uh, finally, like it's it's a Lockjaw. Lockjaw is is a key component of so many different decks whether it be thanos or high evolutionary or, or what have you so like there are so many options that aren't crystal so that's why i wanted to kind of like you know pick at you a bit like what like what are the cards that you that come to head are like to your mind sorry that are the ones that really stand out top tier that should be here
0: uh yeah i mean pa- patriot uh sarah magic sherry silver surfer venom to an extent wave those are, the, those are the winners. I think those are the best cards in the game, in my opinion. I, 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 the, what they bring, I, I don't want to say they're the best in the game, but, like, the the function, the, what you can do with them across so many decks and the consistency that they bring and the way that they work. You know, Daredevil's always going to find his way in here as well. But Surfer, man, I don't know. Surfer right now is so strong. It, 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 it's at a point where it's, like, it, it's had so many things go its way that continue to build that damn thing up. And uh, Luke Cage, man, just a good catch-all. A little surprised that he, maybe he's this high, but he's also here just for the popularity of either Cerebro 2, but also High Evo always having an effect. I want, you know, it's always fun to look down on this popularity list and just see like what shocks us the most, dude. Looking at the, the, the C tier here, man, what is like the one that jumps out to you the most that it's so low? The one that really jumps out to me, honestly, is Nick Fury. Like, how is Nick Fury a C
1: tier card at four five? A recently buffed card, the staple of Rocks and Hawks. And I, I think Nick Fury is a fantastic card, and it, it kind of blows my mind that he's being ranked like lower than Gambit, lower than some of the other cards that are a little more niche, for instance. like Even Hellcow? Hellcow's better than Nick Fury are we Are we sure about
0: that, Cozy? Yeah, this card just getting maybe a lot more love after the, the Spider-Ham. But, you know, like Nick Fury deck, Rocks and Hawks has not really moved in how good it is. It's a good deck. It's like... It's going to be good. There's not a lot that can affect the deck. The the way that the card random generation works, it's going to be solid. Because we're only going off a few days, this list, uh, you know, in a second, we'll do by maybe last 30, just to do a quick overview of maybe the different changes. Taskmaster, though, as far as even looking at the patch, is shocking. Sherry uses him like crazy. And then the new Phoenix Force. Why would you not want to have Taskmaster? So he's a little low on my end there. The Nick Fury, I would say, yeah. Beast... Its bounce is still good and bounce is still played, so I'm a little shocked that he's he's this low. I, I, I'm kind of dumbfounded at at, at him. Probably the most uh, Black Panther, extremely good card. Uh, th- that's a little low on my list too. But everything else here seems about right. I like Mojo rising up. I like some of these other cards. I don't know what the hell in doing up there in Yellow Jacket, but I like
1: it. It's. I think the most fascinating part of this is to see, like, what cards are with other cards. Like, Beast is sandwiched by Super Scroll and Debris. Like, I, I I just, I don't see it, right? Like, I just don't see it. Like, this card is instrumental to the best deck in the game, which could still possibly be the best deck in the game for all we know. Like, more time will tell. Uh, and you're right. Like, Taskmaster is an absolutely awesome card in, in so many different uh Variations of those like Shuri based decks. Now, Cozy, I don't want to bring it up because I don't want to at you. Because you don't want me to say it. Should I just not bring Dude, it up? You know what I'm going to do. The right?
0: most, it, the most disrespected card. It blows my mind how disrespected this card is.
1: Like worse than Helicarrier. Like I'm not. Even, I'm not saying the name yet because I don't. I know you're upset, but like, okay, everyone listening, everyone watching, you know what card we're talking about.
0: Listen, it's Arrow. Yeah. It. Hey, keep not playing near it. bottom of D tier. Keep not playing Arrow. She is far from D tier, man. But if this is a popularity list, okay. You know, I think in this list as a whole, a lot of these make sense. In fact, damn near all of them. I think Rescue, I get the whole Shang-Chi thing, a little disrespected. Dagger, definitely, and and Human Torch is, after the Phoenix Force thing, crazy. Leader, a little low. But what the hell? What the hell's going on with the Arrow?
1: You're telling me that Arrow is worse than Moon Knight? Is worse than Viper? then worse than absorbing man, a card that we've talked about being problematic over and over and over again, a card that just feels like it can be cut from everything. I think you're right. I think arrow is by far the most disrespected card of Marvel's. I and mean, I feel bad for you. Cause like you've been a defender of arrow. You recently gotten an absolutely beautiful split of arrow. Well, it, I'm sure it'll show its face on the, uh, the podcast at some point.
0: Yeah. Dude, I feel you, cozy. Well, look at it, it says here: cars with a combined average cubes and popularity. I think, I, again, untapped your stuff here. I, I think popularity is a little bit high, in my opinion. Average cubes is what shocks me. You're telling me that that, 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 that absorbing. There's no way that did, maybe in the last five days. You know what? We're going up. We're gonna to go to thirty Cozy's days. He's getting
1: here. fired up. He's actually mad. We're going He's, to. Th- I can we're, see it. You're getting upset. We're going
0: to thirty days. This is cool. I wanted to see thirty days because it's not right after the patch, and I wanted to see where some of these things lied. You no know, balance had a big impact on this, right? Let's see. Is she going to be down there still? Probably. I still don't see her. She's right here. It's She's right down. at the bottom. She is, she is now almost C tier, but still bottom of the barrel, man. And, and like Doc Hawk, man, this is crazy, huh? I'm trying to see. Do you see any other differences that are shocking here?
1: obviously the, the nerf to Dr. Doom has felt like clearly Dr. Doom's popularity felt off. And like, uh, like even on your side, like we, we quickly discussed the fact that it's still being included in a lot of decks. I find myself cutting Dr. Doom from even like Patriot decks and including onslaught for instance, right? Going a little greedier on the onslaught side, Dr. Doom feels like it definitely has fallen on popularity, which is kind of sad. Like, and that's kind of why, like I mentioned prior, like Magneto feels like such a great evergreen card. It's kind of taken Dr. Doom's place a
0: little bit. Don't you feel? I don't know. The four bots, again, Patriot to me is probably the only place that I would be playing doom. Next week, cozy. We're going to get a chance to revisit
1: these cards in our own top 10 list. Where we're going to be discussing our favorite cards in Marvel snap at the time. Now, moving on. We got to talk about the absolute banger purchases you can make with your token shop purchases. Tokens are back on the menu with the recent change to series four and five duplicates. You're no longer getting the premium mystery variants. As of the next patch, I should actually rephrase that. It's actually not being implemented quite yet, but as of the next patch, we're going to be getting that 1,000 fallback as we discussed prior. And so the token shop's back on the menu. So, now today we're going to be discussing which cards we feel are the best purchases, knowing what's going to be coming out in the spotlight caches as well throughout the month of August. Now, there's going to be three cards, Cozy, we're going to cut out right off the bat, okay, because they're coming out extremely soon. You have Darkhawk and High Evo, which are coming out next week, so starting the week of July 25th. And then you have Thanos, which is going to be August 1st. Obviously, those are three amazing cards. We love them, but unlock them in the spotlight cache. So, save your damn tokens because they're valuable. I'm going to let you get us started because I know there's a card that you absolutely love, that also loves four drops, that makes four drops three drops. And we just finished talking about how perhaps that is a very powerful effect. Cozy, talk to us about Zabu.
0: It's got to be Zabu, right? Because like, if you look at the spotlight caches and you look at what's coming out, we don't see Zabu. We don't see a couple other ones. Maybe I won't spoil them yet. Those are the ones that are more at the top of my list that are still like really good cards. I would say personally, before we start this entire list off, this might be the only card that I would get with tokens as of now. Uh, I feel like the card that... Because they're back on the menu, August is too hot and September's too hot for, for me to say get any other cards. But because he's pull four, because it's not a lot of tokens, and time and time again, Zabu is working in, in loads of different decks and archetypes, and it's going to work into more future cards. This is, if you don't somehow have the Zabs yet, if you don't have Zabu yet, this is definitely the card that I would consider using your tokens on and kind of no-brainer question getting him from the shop personally.
1: I would certainly agree that like, although they're back on the menu, they're still scarce. And the spotlight cash system gives you the opportunity to like pull out of these cards through natural progression. And so like your tokens often serve as a nice fallback, right? And so um, I think you're right to identify that Zabu is probably the absolute cream of the crop here. It definitely is the highest recommended one if, uh, because it's also not available yet. Like we we don't have a a date for Zabu yet, which is somewhat impactful. And you're going to want this card in your deck. So, you know, full, full vote of confidence into Zabu. Now, moving forward, we're going to start getting into ones that don't have the same appeal as Zabu, and they're going to be ones that might be perhaps available in spotlight caches in the near future. So you have to wait. Do I want this card now, or am I willing to wait a month or two to get it out of the spotlight cache? That's only a decision that you yourself can make. This card just got nerfed, Cozy. It just got nerfed, but we don't see it coming out yet. It's still not in the spotlight caches, and that is Hitmonkey. Hitmonkey is now a 3-2. You know, massive changes to the Bounce Archetype, but it's still not available in Spotlight Caches. We don't have a date for it yet. And so this card is so impactful in the current meta. Do you really want to wait all the way until, like, what, September or October to potentially pull out of a Spotlight Cache? Or do you pay the 6000 for it?
0: You know, I'm just hesitant to say, and it's not even that it's Hitmonkey. Like, Zabu is so easy because it's, you know, a Series 4. It's used across multiple decks. Whereas something like Hitmonkey is, if you don't like Bounce, it's air control... And that's not what you're playing at the moment. Maybe, maybe Mr. Negative. Definitely, you don't want to spend that much tokens. This guy's full price right now. He's full premium at the moment, right? Yeah, we don't see him in the in the future. But like if you enjoy destroy, if you enjoy some of the stuff coming out, even some discard stuff, stuff that's hot in the meta at the moment, there's no reason. There's no reason to get hit monkey, right? Also, not getting these cards give you a chance to get them in the random pool as well. And it stinks. I do like is still very, very, very good. But 6,000 good? No, in my opinion, because then you got the, you got the Dakin, or it's Dakin, I just found it, I think, actually, at, at the panel, at SDCC, whatever, Lady Death Strike, and obviously like X-23, that kind of stuff, uh, is what you compare to this. So it just depends, do you value FOMO? Do you value, if you're looking to complete a bounce deck or a Sarah Miracle deck, then yes, it's a good card, and it's one that I would buy, but yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be hesitant.
1: Yeah, I I definitely hesitate with it as well. And uh, like you, you're right. Like the Zabu value is just there because it's a series four card. And uh, I think that most people would have picked up Hitmonkey by this point because like Hitmonkey was obviously a core component of what was the most powerful deck in the game. It still is a very strong deck. I think what rises its stock slightly is the fact that we just just don't know when it's going to be available in spotlight caches. And if you love playing balance and you don't already have it, then you're kind of stuck. But you're right, there are so many variable options here. You have so many decks that are, we have Mr. Negative coming back, right? There are so many decks that are capable, like, available for you right now that perhaps the 6000 on on Hitmonkey, you know, it's, it's a very hefty price to pay. And there's a similar card, a very similar card, a Series 5 card. And um, we get tons of questions about this card, and it's everyone's favorite Landshark, it's Jeff. Jeff is going to be available the week of September 5th. So you're talking about, you know, a good solid month and a bit out, right? It's coming. It's coming, which is great news, but you're going to have to wait a little bit longer still. And we're seeing a ton of control-based decks out there. Uh, you know, Thanos Control being very popular. Anytime Professor X is on the board, you want to have Jeff. Again, we have a 6,000 token card. Cozy, what's your take?
0: I like Jeff more than I like hit Monkey, less than I like Zabu, right? So like, I think everybody's mortified that he wasn't dropped. I get it. It's a full token unlock. If Jeff came out next week, you should still get about 6,000 tokens. Like if he was new card value, right? Like he hasn't depreciated down. My advice on Jeff is, (laughs) we'll see if they drop any cards in August. Uh, But if they do drop cards that you would think it's going to be Jeff, uh, maybe on Shark Week or something. uh, So maybe wait for that at the very least. But Jeff is a good card that you'll use across so many decks that it would make sense in, in some cases there. The spotlight variant, I don't particularly think is like crazy good. If that's like a reason, I diff- Jeff is great, man. You can't go wrong here. But again, you're gonna be paying for two cards that are. You could be getting two. You could get two cards at the price of Jeff, right? So that's what makes it tough.
1: I love Jeff. I've been talking about Jeff since the moment I've laid my eyes on Jeff. But you're right. You get two series four cards for the price of just Jeff alone, and uh, I-, I lean towards waiting. I mean, tokens are so damn valuable. Um, obviously, it is an excellent. Excellent card for getting into the uh the different archetypes, and obviously it does what no other card does in Marvel. It just does not give a hoot. Even if you have Gene Grey, Jeff is able to like mitigate her effect very well. So, like if you pull Gene from a stash and you've been doing a lot of gene-based decks, then Jeff does improve in value. But um, it's it's a heavy price tag to pay. Now, you, you do mention the idea of having it drop in August. We we really don't know if that's gonna happen. I would be surprised if they announced series drops for spotlight cards that are coming within a month or two that would kind of surprise me but at the same time Jeff has been overdue for a drop so it's really good advice to say you know what maybe hold out a little bit but then if you hold out that long maybe you wait another week or two and take a roll at the spotlight catch it's not an easy answer and that's why having this conversation is important because like it's a question a lot of people have like it's we're in this weird spot between two different systems where it can feel a little awkward on how you spend your resources, but spending your resources wisely is one of the most important things you can do right now.
0: Yeah, looking at this list, man, I think we could just say what what what's worth getting, what's not at the moment. And again, I don't think anything is until we confirm series drops or not. Iron Lad, his week just passed. I like Iron Lad a lot. If he doesn't drop, I would get Iron Lad. I think that's a card that I personally would get. Again, I think back way when he came out, I was like, get him now. You're going to regret it because he could last for a while we, we don't see him to come for a while so the you know patriot Lad, those kind of decks are just consistent they're great iron lad's such a good card i would think about grabbing him ghost spider is interesting let's see kind of where she ends up but she's full premium so probably not gene gray we talked about a little bit slept on it's going to keep her value for a while so if you're going to get her and you didn't get her this might be the time but other than that man Maybe Nimrod. If you, like, destroy, I think Nimrod may be a no-brainer purchase. Because here's the thing. He's coming in a spotlight cash, but he's so damn, that, that variant is fire. So if you like him enough to buy him, you'll like him enough to pull the variant there. Or just wait for that week. So, uh, uh, man, other than that, I would just hoard, hoard those damn tokens, man. Stay strong! Snapchat community for the Loki season. The last card I'll throw at you though is,
1: is Nebula. Now, Nebula is, a, is in a weird spot because obviously it's a series five card, but I would argue it is one of the best one drops in the game. It, it's going to be in a spotlight like cash on August 22nd. I would not get so it. Literally, a, basically a month. You, you're good. Just, just wait it out.
0: It's 6,000 tokens yeah? No way.
1: Yeah, um, it's 6,000. It's th- not quite worth it, is it?
0: Not a shot. No, not a shot. I think, uh, again, my advice to the majority of the player base you save all your tokens. You save all of your spotlight caches. If you get Daken, great. Buy X23 with the tokens that you've been saving up. And then save your entire to say the mother load for September and open everything up in, in your spotlight caches. That way you get the only card that's like the main premier card in September or August with Daken. And then you get all the stuff in September. You will not walk away mad with that. There's no chance. Like that is such a good pull away. And, like, you're still getting new cards. You get the season pass card in a week or so. You're going to get X23. Destroy's hot. That would be my advice.
1: And you definitely want to be having at least four spotlight caches. Like you want to go into that those weeks, ensuring that with one hundred percent certainty that you're going to get the cards you need. And if you high roll and you pull the card you want in one or two pulls, and just save the caches, roll them into the next uh, next opportunity, right? I, I that's perfect advice, and uh, that's what we need. Like we need to talk about because right now it's a a very interesting time in Marvel Snap with so many different currencies, so many massive changes to card acquisition, and so many questions about how you can optimize and maximize. So glad we had this discussion.
0: Devs Q&A. So the devs answered a lot of questions in the server. They've been extra answery, extra responsive to some questions here. And I know that we have them on screen and we have some graphics for you while we kind of talk through them. This is always so cool to go through and grab like some of the best of the best of what they've answered to the community. And if you're not in Discord, or you're not listening in the Snapchat, you wouldn't really know. You wouldn't know that these are being answered. And some of these can hint to the future, Alex, which I think is awesome. And so I know you have some questions here. What were some of the ones that you found the most fascinating?
1: The questions we focused on today were actually more relevant to the Snapchat itself. Some cards that we've sp- spoken about in the past, some things that are like, you know, really emerging from a topic of discussion in, in the world of Marvel Snap. And um, the first one on the screen here is gonna be in re- uh, relation to Kitty Pride itself. This was something that we'd actually discussed in prior weeks and it goes that essentially Kitty Pride's original ability was that it actually stayed on the board and the player interacted with it to bring it back to its hand. Is there any hopes that this will actually be making it back into Marvel Snap? And Glenn responded, although it's not possible, there are larger other changes planned for the future in the design space, and they don't want to make a change for Kitty that can negatively impact the viability of those changes. Plus, and this is important, that it would equal a buff for Kitty Pride. And this is something Cozy that you and I had joked about prior, whereas like Kitty Pride's original iteration was actually stronger than the Kitty Pride that just got nerfed in this recent OTA, which is wild to think. It's just—it's just crazy to think about how far things have come with the original Kitty Pride versus what was eventually released and now nerfed.
0: That's why you didn't see me complain all that much about that. It wasn't—it wasn't your kitty. I was like, I get it, but uh, yeah, the fact that Bounce went from needing love to uh, now being nerfed, or or when they got rid of Beast, uh, uh, you know, two costs and they made him a three cost, people kind of thought it was going to be a huge blow to Bounce, and now they had to address not one but three cards, right? So.
1: And for our next question for the dev Q&A, we have a question about Magic, a card that we've talked about a lot on this podcast today because, well, it's by far had the greatest impact on the meta since the OTA release. The question about Magic is essentially whether or not they would ever consider allowing her to be played on turn six with the same Limbo-style effect. And what's fascinating about this is that they're citing Storm as an example. Storm can still be played on the last turn and it doesn't really do anything, but Glenn's response is really indicative of our experience in the beta. The idea that magic could be playable on turn six is such a dramatic change in the play pattern of Marvel Snap. And that's what made her the strongest card in the game at that point. And to come back to that, I think, would be a huge disservice to Marvel Snap. And honestly, would create a situation where, once again, you have a meta that's dependent on a player's ability to basically predict whether or not turn seven is going to just be thrown upon them. So, ideally, what you want to see is what we have right now, Cozy, where you have magic that cannot be having the limbo effect being done on turn six, because it's way too disruptive to the game. I think that what they've done with magic is great. And I think that I understand why a lot of players say, Hey, why can't we do this on six? It would be good. Well, that's the problem. It's way too damn good.
0: Yeah. We've seen that before. Right. And that's why I got a dr- address. And the fact that they're making it to where, uh, that you're going to be able to play her still is what the fix that does feel good. Because like, you know, sometimes the two powers to power, you know, and, and you need to get that out as of now, you, you legit can't even play that. Like, you know, so. Definitely, definitely a big change. Rosie, the next one
1: we're going to talk about is one that I'm really excited to have a conversation with because we've brought this up multiple times on the Snapchat. It's a card that needs a ton of love and someone asked some questions about Absorbing Man. The question was that on paper, Absorbing Man has an incredible ability, but in practice, it's too awkward to be placed in decks. Is he a card that you guys have on the to-do list for adjustments or does internal data show that he's just fine? Cozy, Glenn's response is that they've been talking about Absorbing Man specifically, but that it's tricky. And that although Absorbing Man would be fun at three costs, which he essentially is with Zabu anyways, it'd probably be too strong in addition to Silver Surfer specifically. Crazy to think, Cozy, that Silver Surfer is rearing its head once again. You literally just finished talking about how Silver Surfer is a card that is somewhat problematic for future three drops. And here we are, Glenn basically saying exactly that. They also do note that they do have future plans for content that just might make the fans of Absorbing Man smile just a little bit. So Absorbing Man I do find to be a really interesting card, Cozy. Like this is one of the, like it should be on paper one of the best combo cards in the game, but like as we've talked about before, it just gets
0: cut. They're they're pigeonholed. Like what they just said, because if you think about it you look at them and you're like okay, change this cost. right, three costs can't do it. Silver Surfer two costs way too cheap. You could do some insane combos. Okay, well, what about you just raise his power? Well, You can't do that, really, because you've got things like Black Panther and things that want to have that power out there. To me, that seems like the best... To me, it's like, that's the poison you want to take. I like That makes sense to me, to, to end up doing something like that. Or maybe significantly raise his power, but raise his cost. I, I, it's just tough because there's not a right answer. And now that Phoenix Force is just like a better version... He just doesn't have uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know because of what he does with on reveals They, yeah, they're in a tough place. So he he's essentially, you know, something like a lie is coming out that destroys every card played this turn. Like that's cool. Doing that twice is pretty pretty neat. But also like Arnim Zola would do that twice if you scan it. So I I don't know. I think Absorbing Man is going to be a tough card to fix. It, it definitely is. And it's just it should be
1: better, but at the same time, it feels like it's a card that's very dangerous, that can quickly get out of control, and uh, I mean, it did, it did. With the original Zabu iteration, where Zabu was doing two off the four cost cards, Absorbing Man, Spider-Man felt horrible. It completely shut down the game state to the point where they had to, they had to fix it. They had to attack something, and it was Zabu that eventually got hit there. Oh, Actually, well, now Spider-Man's a five cost anyway, so <laughs> that solves that problem. But like, do you remember how like constrictive that meta was? Like that was the one time, really, where Absorbing Man was truly relevant, and it felt awful for for many players.
0: And if it's not that, he's like cute, like that, like he's just fun to like. To, uh, yeah, he's definitely not cute, but he's fun to play. Like he's a fun card. So it's either fun or dangerous, right? Like the so then good falls in between somewhere in there. And every single
1: on reveal card that comes out in the future theoretically has to keep Absorbing Man in consideration, right? So it is, I I don't, I don't envy the balance team's job here. Do they just leave it as it is? But they're, they're saying they've talked about them and perhaps in the future with some added synergy, you'll see some Absorbing Man once again. I still like, listen, I still like Hazmat and Absorbing Man turn six. I know that's a bit of a meme, but if you have that wonger out there nice and early, well, then you're doing some damage, my friend. But uh, I mean, that's like one deck that maybe it's not even a good deck. If you like 35% win rate decks, then there's one for you. Let's talk about a card that uh, we have talked about extensively on the Snapchat. And I was very excited to see it brought up here in the the dev Q&A. And that is Vision. The question has said, (laughs) actually, I kind of disagree with the question itself, but they phrase Vision as never being a good card. But now Phoenix Force has come out and Vision feels completely useless. Do they have any plans to give Vision some extra power? And, you know, what? basically, where's Vision now with the power creep uh, theoretically on the uh, the Phoenix Force? Now, Phoenix Force is now a 4-cost now, so things have changed a little bit. Originally, it was a 5-cost that was competing more directly with Vision and Captain Marvel. Now, it's a 4-cost. Things change ever so slightly. We've had this conversation in the past where, like, Vision and Captain Marvel feel like in, they're in a weird spot. We didn't really see them ranked well in the popularity charts that we talked about prior and I still think Vision is good in like Shuri decks and other things like that. So it's very interesting to see Glenn's response which is that Vision isn't competing with Phoenix for decks although he does compete with Phoenix in play. Phoenix requires a lot of deck space to enable whereas Vision needs none and that's kind of important to consider. They're also stating that Vision's play rate is lower than it's been in the past but its win rate is not exceptionally low. And I think that's also an important thing to consider as well, and that ultimately they are monitoring them. Cozy, generally speaking, what are your thoughts on Vision right now, especially in consideration with
0: the new Phoenix Force that was recently changed on the OTA? So look, I love Glenn, but I just disagree with most of that. He has a 0.8% play rate. That's abysmal. That's like way worse than Gambit was even when he was buffed up. The whole competing with Phoenix Force, like Phoenix Force reactivates an on reveal, right? So like to me, it's like, and... Multiple, all these other things that Phoenix Force does outside of move, right? And you can move it a turn before. To me, to, to comparing them two is, is almost a joke at this point because the, uh, the joke between the two, I respect, listen, Glenn, this, this man knows how to make cards and knows how to balance cards. That is very proven there. I, I, but I think that we saw once where it's like they weren't going to do starter cards, they weren't going to do magic. Both those things were said on Twitter. And then we've had Medusa, we've had this. Vision is just awkward, man. Uh, I I think that having the one turn to have the play difference is just a bit weird. I've seen them in the data mines kind of fuddle with other cards that they try to make. Like, Snow Guard was supposed to have a mini Vision at one point as well. I would love an extra turn to have the play games. I honestly think that if you just make him 4 and you make Captain Marvel 4 and you bring down the power, that still feels really good. They get to do what they get to do. You know, yeah, you would have maybe two of those with with Vision and, and Phoenix Force. But I guarantee you, man, you make this card lower power and a four cost and Marvel, Captain Marvel, their play rate would go up tremendously.
1: Do you think that really hits the, the impact of how like because right now you really only see vision and even to some extent Captain Marvel being played in conjunction with Shuri?
0: What do they offer as a five cost? Well, like we had the discussion about you need to offer something huge as a five cost. There's no way you're playing this, right? Whereas if it's a four cost that you can also get down to Zabu territory. Now you're talking about a three cost potentially. Or like imagine getting Captain Marvel. As a three four three five whatever four five, but it can get it be discounted down, dude. You're gonna be playing that all the time. You have like a little safety of protection, and it's not even like five extra points is not a a life changer all the time, but it's kind of huge there, right? And maybe obviously there's some number fudging probably here with the design space, but I think it would fix a lot of those problems, especially as like
1: honestly five cost cards have become increasingly more competitive. It's exactly what we discussed with Legion. Like Legion on paper seems like a fun card, an interesting card, but with on turn five, you need, something has to happen. You have to make a splash and neither vision nor captain Marvel do that. And so, I mean, they're in a very interesting spot. I do, I do have faith in the uh, development team. I'm sure that uh, they have a plan as one might say, as we say all the time, but regardless, I mean, I love vision. I, you know, I've been watching the Marvel snap MCU and vision is low key. One of my favorite characters, you know, I mean, Lifted Mjolnir, got to pay some respect to that, right? And uh, ultimately, though, I do think that, uh, you know, it's it's a card I'd like to see kind of make a bit of a comeback because it, it's it's an interesting card, it's a fun card, and it's a card that really relies on the, the mind games of Marvel Snap. Now, Cozy, that brings us to the end of this edition of the Snapchat. I want to say thank you to everyone for joining us today, for supporting our content, and of course, for listening on in with us as we discuss what is quite frankly our favorite game cozy i i still can't believe that we get to do this every week is not this not just like one of the best things ever
0: oh dude it's amazing and it, it, guys what i love is you guys don't always see what goes on behind the scenes like first of all just crazy weeks between the two of us but we also yeah. had my my one of my computers just completely crapped the bed in the middle of this whole snapchat derailed us for like an hour plus this is the stuff that i love and no matter what man we bring it every week we're gonna keep doing it every week and nothing's gonna stop us of it it's just too much fun talking snap and, and, and man, I got a, a tier list next week, and I'm so excited to have you rank some more D D tiers and E tiers and all the, the, the all the tiers out. Have you got any more animal? Hey, I, someone came up to me at Comic Con and talked about the animal tier list. I have you know,
1: really that that's uh, even at Comic Con, it, it penetrated the Comic Con meta. The elephant the animal take. tier list came up. It was the elephant take. It's always the elephant. It's always the elephant. Listen, okay. You know what? I'm just, I promise you guys this. I am gonna watch like a Planet Earth documentary with my kids, and we're gonna, I'm gonna watch those elephants, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try and change my mind. I'm gonna to try to. and like get cultured on the elephants, their trunks. They, they do have cool feet though. They're like massive. Like I don't it's know. Too late. It's too late. It's too late. Like I'm trying to just I'm just grasping at straws it's at this late. point. Hey, okay. Well, listen. I, I'll try my best to change my views on elephants.
0: And as always, my friends, we'll see you guys on the next one. And Happy snapping.